the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us, folks. This is the Bible Live broadcast, and we are making our way through the Bible. If you're listening for the first time, that's what this program is all about. We make our way through the Bible every year that goes by since um, since 2001. Since 2001, the 21st year, actually, making our way through the Bible. We have read. We read from. If you go to our our Bible Live website, Bible in the twenty minute reading from the Scriptures every weekday, Monday through Friday, originally formatted for radio, of course, and you can listen to a fifteen to twenty minute reading from the Bible every weekday, Monday through Friday, and then um, hear the entire Bible every year from Genesis all the way to the Book of the Revelation in the New Testament. You can read through the Bible or listen to the Bible with us as we journey through the book of books. And then here on Sunday night, we get a chance to kind of comment and ask questions and discuss and meditate on the passages we read in this past week. So we read uh, this past week. We're in the book of the two books, and we're actually originally one book, the book of Chronicles. Uh, first and second chronicles in the Hebrew scriptures we read uh, from first chronicles chapter 25 we finished up first chronicles and read right on into second chronicles up to chapter 18 and uh, of course uh, a reminder again that the book of chronicles was uh, in of course written as one book one historical record that Ezra, it is believed, Ezra the um, was the writer, a scribe, who was very, very dedicated, very committed to the Scriptures, uh, the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and, of course, uh, the books of First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel, the, the books uh, about the, the kings and the history of... Um, the people of Israel, after they moved into the promised land under Joshua's leadership. Then they went through the period of the kings, and then you get into the books of history, Samuel uh, and the kings, and this select history of the book of Chronicles. Stacy is with me here. Let's go ahead and, and get her in on the conversation. How are you doing, my sweet daughter? Hello. How's Hi, the, I'm good. The grandbaby. Thank you. Oh, uh, she is good. We had a, l- a little bit of a rough day, but that's all right. Well, <laughs> um, it happens, right? We're good. Uh, might as well yes, it happens. It it is hard being eleven weeks old. It is tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, she evidently. Is I tell you what, I had forgotten how early she's starting to babble already, which is I, I, yes. I realized that that that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, she coos. <laughs> maybe she's going to be a, a radio star someday. Yeah, that's right. She's, yep, starting uh, practicing early. Right. But, um, yeah, we're good here. Thank you so much for having me on with you, Dad, as always. Glad to have you with us, and we're going to need you tonight. We're going to talk about these mm-hmm. great books of the Chronicles. 
And uh, the more I read about the, the book of the Chronicles, and, and, of course, every time we read it, I, I remember the same thing, that a lot of people have a great deal of difficulty with the book of Chronicles because mm-hmm. of, and we've talked about it already, that, that because of the genealogies. And uh, what ha- the first nine yeah. chapters, the first nine chapters mm-hmm. of the Chronicles are... Uh, mm-hmm. A, a listing of genealogies and one this one begat mm-hmm. that one and this one begat the other one and uh and of course i guess a lot of folks are put off by that we've talked a, a little bit about it and how important these genealogies were in that moment because Ezra is writing this it's a it's a selected history uh, that features only it, it's not like the books of first and second kings, which it, it uh, that talk about the kings of Israel in the north, the northern kingdom. If, if folks remember, now the the people of Israel came in to um, Israel. They had only they had only um, what they call judges. There were 12 judges in the book of judges. It covers just about a 325 year period. And they did not have a central government. They did not have one King over the whole land. Uh, instead the tribes, each of the tribes kind of fended for itself. I guess it would, it, maybe it's related to our understanding of states rights, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, right. California, Oregon, Nebraska, you know the individual states' rights, and uh, and not a very strong central government. But but when they had to go to war, when they were being uh, oppressed or attacked by uh, other nations or people groups, uh, God would raise up a hero, or what the Bible calls judges. Uh, these men would would and one woman, eleven men and one woman would rise up and protect, uh, gather the nation behind them and the. Warriors would come from the different tribes and at different experiences. They were not a um, an amazing group. There were a few heroes among the twelve, maybe two or three that were you know remarkably good and, and gifted and 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 faithful. Uh, others were clearly compromised. They they kind of on again off again in terms of their walk with God and their trust in God and. But they each carried out a, a, a purpose. They kind of saved uh, Israel in a given moment. Uh, they were being oppressed by, let's say, the Philistines or the Moabites or this group or the other group. And they would come in each case and deliver the people like Gideon uh, was one of those who was, uh, I would say, 75 to 80 percent would give him a C plus or maybe a B minus. Uh, as a leader, and yet, and, he, and even in his case, there were uh, weaknesses in his family life, and of course, his lineage, those that came after him. But anyway, that was a 325-year period or so, and then you have the first king of Israel uh, coming, uh, named Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, which, ironically enough, was the weakest tribe of the uh, twelve, uh, which I. I just have a feeling there's something to that. I don't know, <laughs> you know, why would the first king of Israel come from? Do you recall, Stacy, why uh, why was Benjamin so weak at the time? Why 
Well, I'll see, I hope I can do it. Uh, well, they were almost wiped out after what happened at the end of the Book of Judges um, the, by the other tribes, and kind of understandably so. <laughs> um, there had been they had they had one of the tribe one of the tribe had had committed a crime, a pretty horrific one, it was and the tribe so of the other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the other tribes um, took vengeance and almost destroyed all of the tribe of Benjamin, at least all of the men. Uh-huh. And um, but I guess a few still lived, survived, and then um, so I guess that's how it grew from there. But that was uh, the other, from the story the of the tribes, judges. The other tribes to save Benjamin took the women. From, to save Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin from. Um, being eliminated entirely, mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrible thing to say. I don't even know. I know. In our time, in our age, to your, you know, what, uh, 2,000 or 2,500 to 3,000 years later, we look back on that, wow, what a, what a primitive, you know, thing to do. Right. Kind of donated wives, donated wives from their families or daughters mm-hmm. to become wives to the these remaining uh, men of Benjamin, and mm-hmm. Benjamin kind of survived as a, as a tribe of people began to grow again, but they you know they kind of donated their daughters as husbands to the dwindling um, tribe of Benjamin. And, mm-hmm. and of course, if folks don't remember, well, maybe I'll just put that question out there. Does anyone remember? Uh, and I'll make that our first question of e- the evening for our listeners. Does anyone remember why the tribe of Benjamin was uh, pretty much wiped out or was attacked and, uh, ferociously by the other tribes of Israel? If you if you know the answer to that, what what led up to this this um, attack by the other? It's pretty. It's Evans. pretty horrible. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's pretty ugly. It's pretty uh, graphic experience, experience. But if you remember why, I would wouldn't mind hearing from you. Two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's our call in line here on the Bible Live broadcast. Two ten is the area code. Three four zero. Ninety-five, eighty-five. So, if you remember that, give us a call. Give us a reminder uh, about that, and we'll um, we'll kind of let you help us catch up as to it here in the book of the Chronicles. Because uh, as we lead into the Chronicles, what we were the point we were making is the first uh, king of Israel after the time of the judges is a man named Saul, tall, evidently quite handsome, a uh, fellow, and and attractive in a lot of ways, uh, photogenic, you know, I guess. And um, he is, cho- and he's from the tribe of Benjamin and the mm-hmm. first king. And then uh, Saul begins well with some promise, with some uh, dedication and commitment. And yet he never really catches, uh, the. he never he never really gets to the heart of God about why, why God, following faithfully after the the true and living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of their ancestors, and he never quite captures 
uh, and never quite exhibits the commitment to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the God of Israel, it, it never quite seems to understand why that is so important. And he he minimizes and doesn't uh, doesn't emphasize the things of God and, and the commitment of God to uh, to God by the people of Israel. And and he he is eliminated from being the king, the leader, because he just doesn't catch the vision. He doesn't get it. I, I'm, that's my best guess, Stacy, because it's always been a little bit. Uh, and even our listeners, many times, will call in and say, "Well, we don't understand what." What is what did Saul do that was so bad? You know, he didn't. Uh, he in, instead of yeah. waiting on on Samuel to come and, and say the prayer and make the offering and sacrifice, he he was in a hurry to go into battle, so he made the sacrifice himself. He took upon himself as king a right, a responsibility that only the the priest or the prophet of God would have, and so that was mm-hmm. one thing. And the other, he just didn't seem to didn't seem to understand respect <laughs> yeah didn't respect the the calling of God on the nation and so God mm-hmm. he's eliminated and and then David young king David who uh, Samuel has led to the family the the household of Jesse and the seventh son of Jesse named David a young the youngest of his sons a shepherd uh, shepherd sheepkeeper he becomes the next king, and he has to run for his life for 25 years after he's anointed. David has to run for his life, even from King Saul, and uh, then finally he becomes the king uh, and has leads Israel into 40 years of what is called the golden age of Israel, the most powerful, the most prosperous time of the nation, and then... David passes from the scene, and his son Solomon, who is the fourth son, if I remember correctly, of Bathsheba, uh, the widowed husband of Uriah the Hittite and the woman with whom he had had a, um, an adulterous affair. Uh, and, but he came through it. He asked God's forgiveness. He humbled himself. And, of course, we count that as one of the reasons that David is considered a man after God's own heart is because not because he was so great and good but because he was humble enough to confess his sin and and Mm -hmm. ask God's forgiveness and trust in God to uh, restore him and even his Mm -hmm. role as the king so it's a it's a very interesting book now we come to the chronicles and we're this selected history that 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 Ezra is leading us into um, after the this selected history is uh, trying to remind the people of Israel who returned from Babylon the seventy years of exile that the the nation fell into when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the city of Jerusalem um, back in the or back in five um, five eighty six was when Israel uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. But for about 13 years before that, 13 to 15 years, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had three successive invasions of Israel and then finally destroyed it, 605 B.C., 597 B.C., and then 586. There was a 13-month siege laid on the city, and the people, it was a terrible, terrible time. They grew so hungry that they 
they were reduced to cannibalism, even eating their own children. It was a, it was a terrible, ugly, vicious, horrible time, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, extreme suffering, yeah. and that's why Jeremiah wrote uh, his book of Lamentations, crying and weeping over the destruction of yeah. the, the Jerusalem, the city. But that's how we get here, and now they've come back after 70 years. All of them were born in exile. They were born over in Babylon. So uh, they come back to um, to Israel, and they need to be reminded of who they are, their legacy, their heritage of faith. And sometimes I, I'm kind of interested in that theme because sometimes I wonder, even ourselves, here we are as a nation— uh, mm-hmm. 200, over 200 years old now. And we're, we seem to have wandered away from our heritage, our legacy of faith and respect for God and trusting God. And, 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 you know, we're, everyone says quite often that it was a nation, America was a nation founded on Judeo Christian ethic or a biblical foundation. And it is true. I mean, there's no doubt about it that that was the reigning, uh, mindset, the reigning uh, philosophy, religious uh, perspective, worldview, uh, you might say, of of Europe had become uh, quite a biblical worldview with uh, the idea of the Messiah and the Savior, the Old and New Testaments. And that was predominant in America because those first uh, one, the first ones who came, <laughs> we're seeking a religious freedom, mm-hmm. and so the you know the biblical worldview, uh, the, the role of the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, and so on, the biblical worldview had a tremendous impact on the formation of our nation, and yet here we are, let's say two hundred and fifty years later, and we seem to be wandering away from that foundation, from from that that founded us, that that brought us uh, our constitution and brought us our. Our form of government it figured heavily into our history as a nation. Not, not that the nation was perfect or made no mistakes, no doubt about that. But there was that foundation that if we can, we can come back to, and we could re- recuperate because that foundation, that worldview, brought about this nation, which has become the most powerful, the richest, uh, most influential, and to many, uh, arguably, I suppose, to many would say. Uh, you know, many would say the the greatest nation that's ever lived on the planet in terms of that we don't we're not really an empire nation in the strictest sense. Uh, we don't take over other nations, and maybe uh, some people would emphasize our powerful uh, economic influence that we kind of take over a nation in the sense of business and investment and owning them and guiding them. But it's not the same as. A militarily, uh, dictatorially taking over other nations. We've gone to war, um, the Great World War One, Spanish-American War, World War Two, uh, Korean War. We've had conflicts, but we've never taken another nation and you know and just taken them over and owned them. As a result, in fact, is we've to great sacrifice rebuilt often the nations that we have conquered in in war, which is 
kind of a crazy thing when you think about it a little bit. But we did it, you know, Japan and Germany, Western Europe and so on. Um, we've, we've done a great deal to strengthen and build them back up. Uh, and so here we are 250 years out from our, our founding, and we too need to come back to our foundations. And so maybe the book of Chronicles has something for us there. So, and what Ezra is trying to do is remind the people of who they are. Maybe we need a an Ezra a historian that could really set the record straight about America and remind mm-hmm. us of, uh, of God's role in our foundation and our formation, our growth, our, our uh, history, uh, that maybe that would be important for us. But that's, that's how we get to the book of Chronicles. Ezra is... Uh, put out his selected history. He's reminding the people of who they are, starting off with nine chapters of, of genealogies from David's uh, reign. He, of course, he's laying the foundation that the David is the, the, and the uh, the dynasty of David, that the descendants of David are the rightful heirs to the throne of Israel. And so he's establishing that as he follows the reign, uh, the lineage of David, all the way back, actually, to the to uh, the Garden of Eden is mm-hmm. where he covers that, that long genealogy. Go ahead. And what I do think, well, yeah, I think what's, so, uh, I mean, this is kind of a repeat of of the history, and it's the chronicles of it, and I, um, and I enjoy and love that just as kind of an emphasis, and I love the details, and yes, it is tedious as a book, especially those first couple chapters in Chronicles, uh-huh. but um, that's what makes it so, to me, just so exciting and so real. Um, I mean, it's the family tree, right. and it's so typical, too, in a way, because at this time, Israel was not a sovereign nation. They were not, uh, this wasn't, um, they're, they're, this is that remnant. I mean, they're, right. but it exactly. shows how they still clung, though, to that covenant, that promise of God. They knew that there was something that God still had for them to do. And so those that are faithful are still in their own way, their own small, being faithful to, on their end, to that promise. They, they, well, we should, we should keep an, a track of our history. We should, we know that God is going to do great things. And here they are, a conquered people. They don't even have their own land. They're not a they're just a, a, a cultural people group, <laughs> right. uh-huh. um, and uh, yet they're so meticulous about their history and keeping track of of who begat who and who's the son of who, um, because by faith they know there's a plan and a purpose, and through them well, it's going to come yeah. something amazing. Uh-huh. And existence. so it's real. It's uh, it's neat, and it's also, I think, uh, inspiring to us, you know, in, in times when we might not think that we're, we're, you know, God has promises for us, you know, throughout As Scripture. Well. He's uh, promised, uh-huh, and we might think, oh, our life is is just floating, you know, we're not meaningful, not purposeful, we aren't a sovereign nation, quote-unquote, you know, in, in terms of comparison, um, and yet... 
just still be faithful, still do the things that you know would be important if you are important, because you are important. That's right. <laughs> and your life matters so much, and um, and, and your family, and, um, and chronicling what you have done and what the Lord has done for you in your life is very important. Um, and I see that as kind of what Chronicles is, is yeah, we, a faithful we need to make that, We need to make that transition, that understanding. Yes. It is relative. It is important and relative in, mm-hmm. uh, to us because mm-hmm. uh, not only as a nation, not, it's not just about America. America no, is right. not Israel. I mean, there, Israel yeah. did have a function. The, the nation state, I'm talking about the people group of Israel, they did have a function in, in, in keeping alive a witness of a true and living God. But they had to be faithful to that, and they were used of God. And well, we'll come back and talk about it. How does America yeah. relate to the purpose and the reason that God had for the people of the nation of Israel? How could we mm. relate to that as a nation? 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. That's the Bible Live um, call-in line. And we'd love to hear from you during this hour. We're talking about the books of First and Second Chronicles, but if you have any kind of question about uh, the Bible, the b- book of books, about the Messiah, what it means to know and, and walk with God, give us a call here on the Bible Live broadcast. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Because it's been a while. It's been like a whole day since I stopped so you could hold me. With this child away, strong in the faith. Lord, you are the refuge that I can't wait to get to Cause I can't let a day go, can't let a day go by Without thanking you for the joy that you bring to my life And ooh, You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar It's a beautiful day. Yeah, yeah. All right, we are back and thanking the Lord uh, for this beautiful day that we've enjoyed here in South Texas. A little we're hot. We're getting our worship on. <laughs> we're getting our worship on. That's what he says. Good. And I liked your other song too, John. Uh, what was it? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble your. That's going to become uh, prevalent in our discussion of the Book of Chronicles because one of mo- one of the most famous verses. In the books of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, is Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, uh, well, I'm not going to give the verse away because I want to kind of ask folks a question about um, um, 
about that verse. It's a kind of a well-known verse. Uh, are these do need to do be potted up like that? Or? Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Then <laughs> I've got a technical question there. Uh, we are we're wondering about what is the role uh, as we left the air in our first segment. What is the relationship? Is there a relationship? Something that we can learn as a people group, as a nation, uh, from the experience of Israel. In the book of the Chronicles, the the uh, history that Ezra has written here, and, and I guess to do that we have to kind of go back and discuss the what was exactly the role of of um, Israel. Why indeed did God choose uh, Abraham, this this man in Genesis chapter uh, eleven and twelve? There, God cho- he goes from dealing with the whole world, the world population, Adam and Eve, and then the expansion of the human race, and then you you go for years to Methuselah, and then the great flood comes in the time of Noah, and then after Noah, you move quickly from uh, again to. Uh, chaos and, and people rebel against God, and and then God breaks them up into these competing people groups. Uh, that was always a plan of God, even from Adam and Eve's time. He told them to the human beings to s- multiply and spread out over all the earth, and the whole idea always was that there would be a, a huge population, human beings over all the all the earth. And that there would be different people groups. That was the idea. But they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't spread out. They didn't follow the command. And uh, so it, the whole na- the whole world population walked in lockstep to judgment, to sin and corruption and, and, and to God's judgment. And then you have the flood uh, of Noah in, in chapter 11 of Genesis. And then after that, uh, after Noah, he's told the same thing. To spread out and multiply. I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 7 is what I'm trying to talk about, uh, uh, of the the flood. And then you have Noah. Let me just make sure I get over there. I'm talking off the top of my head here. But you have the world uh, gone wrong in chapter 6. And then you come to the story of Noah. And the great flood covers him in chapter 7. The flood covers the earth. The whole human race is is punished and judged for the wickedness and corruption and walking as a single monocultural group against and rebelling against God. And the the world population was eliminated through this, this global flood. And then you have Noah again, he and his family, eight people, are told to spread out and multiply and multiply around the earth, but again they do not do it. They do not spread out and and they walk in lockstep. In fact, uh, some people don't realize how intentional it was. They just it wasn't that they just didn't do it. They intentionally said we are not going to look at chapter eleven after the time of Noah. Uh, they said. Uh, the people it says the people migrated to the east 
all the people of the world spoke the same language, used the same words. The people migrated to the east. They found a plain in the land of Babylonia. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? The, in Babylon, where we're talking about now. And they settled there. They began saying to other, each other, let's make bricks and harden with fire. Remember in Babylon when Daniel was there and the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and they were cast into these these furnaces, these fires? Well, that would... That has a long history because in Babylon they were builders and they make bricks and harden them. And they had that remained a characteristic of the land of Babylonia for many centuries and uh, making bricks. And that's where they got these ovens that these uh, that people were thrown into Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, for example. But the people said to themselves, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. Why? So they wouldn't, uh, you know, in case the flood came again, they could tie them up into that flower, into that um, tower. Uh, Flower. It sounds like, sound like Jack and the Beanstalk a little bit there. Um, so they want to build a great city with a tower that reaches into the sky. And listen why. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. So there was an intentionality not to scatter as God had commanded them to do and and to overcome any judgment that God might send. Another flood, for example, although it had been promised he would not destroy them again uh, with, with, with water, with a flood. But uh, And then the Lord says, look, the people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible. Let's go down and confuse the, diff- the languages so that they will not understand each other. And so that's how God scattered them. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. And that is why it's called Babel. Uh, the idea of Babel comes from the word uh, confusion. The word Babel, the Tower of Confusion. And so that scatter. So you see what God was trying to do is get them to scatter and over multiply into um, and to become. Um, what's the word I guess we use today? The multiplicity of cultures that would be multiple language. Diversity is what he's looking for. He <laughs> people that live on the island would be different from the people that live in the desert, different from people who live in the mountains, different from people who live in the main, in the plains. And so they would speak, obviously they would begin to speak different languages because they eat different foods, they make their clothing out of different materials, they wear different kinds of clothing because of the different temperatures and weather situations. And so the whole point was that there would be a diversity and some people miss that, Stacy. They don't, they don't, mm-hmm. it took me many, many years reading through the scriptures to why I finally thought about that. And I wonder, well, why is this? And it becomes fairly clear in the scriptures that it's because they, they, God did not want the human race to walk in lockstep again to destruction. He wanted the human race to multiply and to, to, to become a great population from hundreds of thousands to millions to even to billions today. And out of because out of the human race, God is calling out a people for himself. Those who would love God, desire God, want God, want to be the, the, the people of God, to worship God. 
God, to know him, to honor God, to uh, to experience God. And out of the human race, God is calling this people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. One of the most repeated phrases throughout the Bible. I will be their God. They will be my people. Eighty-two times that phrase in particular shows up all through the scriptures and and, and in other times, it speaks of it in using kind of different phrases and different words. But uh, that that is a prime directive that God is doing. And the, and the choosing, it was in chapter 12, after the Tyre of Babel, that a- Abraham is called. And we begin this whole adventure of the people of Israel, Abraham and Isaac, and then Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. And we have these 12 sons, these 12 tribes of Israel. They go down into Egypt. They're called out of Egypt. And so we have this history history of God calling the people of Israel. And you you used the term while ago, I think, Stacey, when you were talking a little bit about the people of Israel. It seems like, if I remember you correctly, you used the idea of a covenant, uh, covenant, the Adamic covenant. God throughout history made a covenant with people. Uh, and, and you have the Adamic uh, covenant. You have the Noahic covenant that God it speaks to them and he establishes his will, his word, his design, his plan. And at that time and their under, level of understanding of what he was doing among them and what he how he wanted them to live and what he wanted them to do. And then you have after Noah, you have the Abrahamic covenant that God is going to start a, a people group through Abraham. Many people groups, actually, but one of them would be a chosen group that God would deal with, uh, that he would use in a very special way uh, in in a couple, in two different ways. One was a very earthly uh, function that the people group, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their, and their descendants would have. Uh, and then the other was a spiritual uh, dis, um, extension, a, a spiritual um, function that the people of Israel would serve, uh, n- not not just in and of for themselves, but for the whole human race. And m- maybe that'd be good for me to let you interrupt me here, Stacy, and uh, be so rude as to interrupt me. Maybe uh, I'd like to see if if you can kind of talk through a little bit this this dual this. This covenant relationship that God has with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, with the people of Israel, what what does that consist of? And we see that we see that covenant renewed uh, under David, the Davidic covenant. Uh, and so we see this this plan, but there's there's a two. Mm, there's a dual nature to the covenant. One is very earthly, earthbound, and, and an earth, that if you will do this, I will do this for right. you here on earth. But the other had a, a broader, not just a temporal or not just an earthly function, but it had to do with eternity. It had to do with the whole race of humanity, the redemptive plan of God. May, can you, do you mind me putting a little pressure on you? I would like to hear my daughter talk about that and see how much you <laughs> <laughs> how much you've gleaned as we've talked about it over the years. Okay. Oh, yikes. Um well I I'm not quite sure I I mean I think what you're uh one yes is with the people group and with Abraham and specifically his descendants and making his descendants um like the stars. 
um, that's very literal in a, yeah. in a way. I mean, I, they, he did make a, a nation yeah. um, out of, uh, from Abraham, but also Actually, a number of nations, right? He was the father of many nations. That's right. And that's you got right. Ishmael, you got the, uh, you know, the right. Ar- 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 Arabic, yeah. the, the Arab nations and others and so on who have come <laughs> from him. But uh-huh. with that particular, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, the Israel and the, that particular people group, uh, talk about that dual covenant. What 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 was it that God said He was going to do with them and in them and through them? You you talk about Abra- well, remember Abraham? Sure, and, and then there's mm-hmm. you, well, yeah, there's the the spiritual um, people as as well. So through Abraham um, would come uh, the Messiah, really, and right. the means by which there would be a spiritual people. Um, grafted into the family of God, right. um, who would be the uh, the head, the the true head of of that people. So Abraham is kind of the the father of many nations, the mm-hmm. head of the uh, literal um, nation group. But uh, you know, the, you know, I love how you say the. Um, Firstborn of the twice born, Jesus right. mm-hmm. is the Messiah, the head of the new uh, spiritual people um, of God. And I guess, did you want me to talk about that covenant and what they traditionally would do of walking through the? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. You, you, wanted me to... you were the one that kind of brought that to my attention in a graphic, a dramatic way, and yeah. it reminded me of how important yeah. that was because right. it highlights. It's the fact that both aspects of the covenant, God is going to be a miracle of God. He uh, he didn't leave anything up to humanity. It was like, I can't depend on these guys. They're going to mess it up. (laughs) So uh, explain that. I forgot. It's somewhere in uh, Genesis chapter 15, I believe it is. Yeah, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. And what's sweet about it and what I think really neat is that Abraham also knew he would not be able to live up to it. True, that's exactly <laughs> um, it right. It says in the scripture there's a great fear and a great um, that came over him and because he knew that, oh, on one hand, this is my opportunity. I better not, I, I, I can't not engage with God, I, I have to, but at the same time, it was a feeling of he's going, I'm, this is it though, this is also my doom. Uh, it kind of reminds me of that, though he slay me, um, yet shall I serve him. Yeah, the, Job said. Uh, Job, yeah. yes. Uh, and that's kind of the mentality that you sense from Abraham. Though I, this is going to be the, the my doom. In a way. I'm going to trust, and I'm going to do this. And and so he was willing, and and yet. Uh, God said, "Nope, you don't actually have to." It also reminds me of the of what He was asked to do with Isaac, and um, and though He was willing, God Very said, "No, you don't yes. actually need to." Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and so Abraham. So what? Uh, traditionally, I, I, at that time, when you would make a covenant with somebody, you would um, take the. Let's see, it's a ram. Is it a ram? A, a pigeon? A what were the different animals? A goat, um, and you would actually you would 
you would kill these animals. I'll tell you what they are. Bring me a three-year-old heifer. I'm looking at Genesis chapter uh, 16. Thank you. Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And it's pretty, again, it's pretty graphic, but you would actually kill them, you would... Um, split them in, in two, mm-hmm. so it's pretty kind of gro- it's kind of grotesque, um, and it's sad. You know, it's 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 very it, it's sad. It's very m- meaningful too. Though I mean, this is this is not something light taken lightly. So this is a covenant. This is a rare uh, occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both parties then they would say the terms of the covenant. And then one party would walk through that what's called a blood path mm-hmm. and would essentially saying, if I don't live up to my end of the bargain, you can do to me what has been done to these animals. In other right. words, I mean, it's bloody. You can kill me. And then the next party walks through and, sa- and says the same. So, And if I don't keep my end, then so this will be done to me. I think that would well, be a wonderful, uh, don't you think that would be a wonderful wedding ceremony? Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> How romantic. Well, no, no, it's a subject Awful. for an, another day, right. right? Okay, a little too, right. a little too graphic. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, so when it came, so so this was done. Abraham set up the the blood path, and uh, in scripture, what is it? Who the the kettle or the the fire goes through first, Dad? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're there, it's a passage. Uh, God God walks through it, and then when it comes time for Abraham to walk through it, it says he's he's dreading it. Um, but but God stops him and says, not only if if I don't live up to it, then you can do this to me, Abraham. But also, if you don't live up to it, you do this to me. And I just think that that's a, and so God takes Abraham's place. In other words, if I don't live up to it, slay me. If you don't live up to it, slay me. Um, I mean, for Abraham, it's a win-win, um, yeah. and for Jesus, for and for God, it's a lose, lose, <laughs> and and that He knows that, and yet it was so worth it. Um, in other words, He knows, and that sealed the deal right then. Yeah, because um, it was a covenant. It was always going. To, mm-hmm. It's a covenant that God made, yes, with Abraham, and Abraham, in this sense, he's not only the 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 founder of many nations, and he truly is, and that's referred to. Genesis chapter 15 is a very important uh, chapter, uh, chapter 15, there, this Abrahamic covenant, because Abraham then at this stage becomes the, the he's kind of the model. And even Paul talks about, uh, there's a verse in, in chapter 15. It says, um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, come on now. Paul quotes it. Uh, bring me a three-year-old. Abraham presented him. As the sun went down, you will be, you will die in peace. He tells him his future. He predicts uh, their, their long 400-year uh, as slaves in Egypt. He, God predicts that, uh, you know, well before it takes place, hundreds of years before it takes place, uh, and so on. And um, 
God made a, a covenant with Abraham that day. And, and the, oh, I'm trying to find that passage where he says, and Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. And that is quoted by, um, there it is, chapter, chapter 15, verse 6. Uh, Abraham says, uh, God says to Abraham, look up in the sky and count the stars. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness because of his faith. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so the, the actual spiritual dynasty of Abraham, we talk about the lineage of J- Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the people of Israel. That's the earthly aspect uh, of the covenant that God is raising up an earthly people that is, he's going to carry out a function through them and with them. Uh, but the the spiritual, the, the truest meaning is that it's a lineage and a, and a dynasty of faith that we now, as God's people, we yeah. are all of the, we are the people of God. We are the fulfillment of that prophecy of God mm-hmm. to bring about uh, a, a people and of people of faith. And that's why Paul quotes that passage in Genesis chapter 15. In Romans chapter, um, where is it? I'm trying to think of that. Romans chapters one and two. Uh, one, I think it's one seventeen. Um, uh, maybe I'll, I'll find it here. But it, um, anyway, it's in four. the early chapters that says in four Romans four. Okay, that um, mm-hmm. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Exactly, mm-hmm. and so, and, and and he's pointing out that very thing that we now, as God's people. Uh, that was the purpose of God. It had an earthly aspect, the covenant, in that God was going to uh, create a people group through them, and in, in many people groups, actually, but a specific people group. And if they would honor him and love him and follow him and trust him uh, and obey him and keep a, a, a light, keep a witness of the true and living God, because they were surrounded uh, in the in the land of Israel, they were surrounded by by idolatry and false gods and and uh, corruption and and all kinds of perversion uh, of every kind. And they were surrounded, and the constant pressure was on to leave the worship of the true living God and the, His righteous demands to live righteously and uprightly before the Lord, and to go and adopt these other pagan cultures and false gods and idols and power and, and, and everything that that would entail. And yet God said, if you will follow after me, I'll preserve you and keep you as a nation. And then at the same time, uh, you know, you, you will be an influence and keep a witness on, on earth. That was their earthly job. They failed at it every now and again uh, under David, under Solomon. Uh, we read about in First Chronicles, Solomon meets uh, the, the Queen of Sheba comes to visit him. Solomon has a relationship, and David a relationship with the king of Aram uh, up to the northwest of them. And they, they seem to be solid, quality relationships where they, they faithfully point the kings of the, and the queen of these other nations to the true and living God. So in some some occasions, they lived up to their, their calling, but most of the time they did not. They did not. They, they caved in and compromised with the uh, people groups around them and adopted some of their uh, immoral and perverse and, and, you know, their idolatry and false worship and so on. 
And so uh, that's, that's what's going on. We're looking at this dual covenant that God would use them. But that spiritual covenant was, I'm going to preserve you as a people. And, and talking about the spiritual the spiritual people of God. And through the lineage of, of Abraham and now David later will come the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world. We now know to have been Jesus of Nazareth who fulfilled all the prophecies. So it's, it's a, it's a, that's all of the history that leads us up to the books of first and second Chronicles. That's what is behind this book. And that's what Ezra is trying to remind the people of their place, their heritage, their role in God's redemptive plan for all of humanity. And it's, so it, it's if you can capture that viewpoint, if you can capture that vision and, and that Ezra is trying to uh, emphasize as he reviews the history of Israel, it will really go a long way toward making the books of First and Second Chronicles very exciting to you. That's why Ezra only tracks the royal lineage of David, because the Davidic line of David became the lineage through which the Messiah, the king of Israel, Israel. Uh, remember, Jesus was crucified, and over his cross, there was a placard put, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Very, They thought it was mocking him in a mockery, but it was in reality the truest thing that could be said. He was the king of, the, of God's people uh, who was giving his life sacrificially for our redemption. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a great background, and maybe it's necessary that we went through that like this to see the relationship to the covenants and to the role of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the people of Israel and what led to uh, this, this book of the Chronicles following 70 years of exile in Babylon. Ah, we got through it, didn't we, Stacey? That, that's, that's good for us. Well, we'll come back and let's talk some of the specifics of these chapters that we covered this past week. Chapters 25 of 1 Chronicles in, on to chapter 18 of 2 Chronicles. Don't go away, go, though, because the Bible Live will be right back. is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. The books of the Bible, time-tested and reliable. Scripture has a power that's undeniable. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and Psalm. All right, all we needed to get through is to the 1st and 2nd Chronicles, right, Stace? Daniel. All right, we are back. This is our final segment of the Bible Live. We are looking at the books of First and Second Chronicles. We'll finish up the the book of Second Chronicles this coming week. We'll cover uh, the final chapters from chapter Second uh, Chronicles, chapter eighteen, and move on forward to the end. Through this coming week, we'll end up. We'll finish the book of Second Chronicles, and then the week after that, we go and return. 
to um, the book of Romans in the New Testament, the book that I just quoted that talks of counted unto him as righteousness. So that's what Paul is emphasizing there in the book of the Romans is that the role of faith, we, lo- we, we begin our journey with God by faith. And then we continue to walk with him by faith as well. So we are back for our final segment. We've given you a, 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 a once more. We've kind of gone through the covenant relationship that God established uh, with Abraham there following uh, the time of Noah, the Abrahamic covenant, uh, the Tower of Babel and so on. And then uh, and then we come to the time of David, the Davidic covenant. God says, I'm going to bring the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world through the lineage of David, who is a picture an image of the, the great king of Israel, the, uh, the earthly Israel. But now uh, one of his uh, descendants will sit on the throne forever, an eternal kingdom. And that's why Jesus insisted when he was told to deliver us from the Romans. He said, no, that's not my kingdom. My kingdom is not of this earth. Uh, well, I've come to establish a, the spiritual kingdom of God, the people of God over all the planet. And and no one has contributed to to the worship of the true and living God, expanded the worship of the true and living God uh, to all the nations and the population of the whole planet Earth, no one has not even come nearly equal to the idea, uh, to the role of Jesus, the Messiah. He has caused more men and women in every nation, every tribe, all over planet Earth, uh, this descendant of David, this Messiah, this Redeemer. And so that's what we're looking at here in the book of Chronicles. That's what. Uh, that's why the, the. That's why the genealogies are important. That's why he's reminding them of all of this history. All, and it's not just history; it's, it's the calling of God on them as a people people group. Well, let's look at some of our uh, content <coughs> that we covered in the book of th- this last week. We. Uh, one thing was kind of interesting. I, I thought, at least in First Chronicles twenty-five, there uh, there is we're reminded there were the priests and the uh, musicians in the temple when the, when uh, Solomon uh, built the temple after David uh, had died. Solomon uh, used the great wealth that David had laid aside. David was a tremendous example. Um, if you look in chapter 29 of Chronicles, uh, you see what David did to cause the other leaders of Israel gave very generously to help build the temple of God. And how did he do that? Did he make a law? Did he tax them? No, he set the example by by giving a tremendous amount himself. He set an example of generosity that that motivated and inspired the other leaders to give as well. He didn't mandate it by law. He set the example when he encouraged the people of Israel to praise and worship God. David tried to inspire the people, but did he mandate it? Did he make a law that you had to do this? No, he set the example. Uh, he... Uh, he set an example of extravagant worship 
and praise to God, writing the many of the Psalms of praising God. Let all the nations of the world, let all the people of the world uh, everywhere praise God. And 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 that's he he led by example. Uh, David is a tremendous. Uh, a remarkable individual, uh, and it's through his lineage, through his royal lineage then, as we follow the lineage through the book of Chronicles, his descendants. And it wasn't because they were all good, not by a long shot. They messed up. They made some tremendous mistakes uh, during their time. There were there were some, that, and we're talking about the kings, and there were a few, maybe uh, five or six, that were good and godly and worshiped God, but others were w- terribly wicked and, and abandoned God in so very, very many ways and, and led the, the nation astray in their example. But uh, so we, we have that thing that King David set up a system by which the priest would serve in the temple. Uh, and they would serve, they would begin at age 20, uh, and then they would serve for 40, uh, for 20 years, and then they would retire, and they had in uh, their duties at the, at the uh, temple. And that was still going on even in the time of Jesus, you know, many, many centuries later. Uh, in the time of Jesus, remember, John the Baptist's father was Zechariah, and he was on duty in the temple as a Levite, as a leader uh, of uh, of worship. And he did the same thing with the musicians, not just the priests, but he set up... Uh, uh, he he set up and, and organized the musician, the musicians, and the gatekeepers as well, those who um, opened the gates and organized into uh, into groups. And and we read about one of them here in Book of Chronicles, chapter twenty six. His name was Obed Adom, and he uh, he was the man who. Kept the temple, who kept the Ark of the Covenant in his home for uh, during the time after David. David had a tremendous failure. They were not, unable to move the uh, Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Uzzah touched the uh, Ark and, and died, and so on. And so they had to store the Ark of the Covenant in someone's home. And this was a Levite, a Levite named Obed Edom kept the the uh, covenant the ark of the covenant in his home uh, for about a year if i remember correctly and as a result of that uh, obededom experienced a great blessing now i want to find out if one of our listeners can give me a call i've got a prize for you a gift i have a brand new book for children it's a remarkable book you'll really enjoy it and maybe you have children maybe you have grandchildren maybe there's some uh, kids in your neighborhood or someone that you want to minister to, I'm going to give a copy of this wonderful new book called A Book About Jesus for Children uh, to the one who can give me a call, 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. If you can give us a call here on the Bible Live and tell me this man who kept the Ark of the Covenant in his home how was he blessed by God as a result of his faithfulness and, and his willingness to keep the Ark of the Covenant? What did, and you can find the answer in uh, sec, uh, First Chronicles chapter twenty-six. First Chronicles chapter twenty-six, 
verse 8. This is the, the blessing that God gave to him for being willing to keep the uh, Ark of the Covenant in his home. And if you call in right now, we're going to take down your name and address and phone number, and we'll give you a copy of this wonderful new children's book called A Book About Jesus. And have a winner <laughs> on the line with it. <laughs> Let me see here. Stacy Rachel has called in. I believe that's the right. Uh, we got uh, it. Oh, it's Reuben. I'm sorry. I got the wrong name no, there. No, no, no. It's Rachel. <laughs> okay, okay. It's Rachel. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing this evening? Hi, I'm fine. I'm so I'm glad to hear you. I, I, and you were right on the phone quickly. I think you must uh, you must have uh, knowledge about this man he named died. Obed Adom. <laughs> what did he do well, that I, brought about the blessing of God? And what was that blessing on his life? Well, I'm not sure. I'm driving, so I don't have the Bible open. Uh-huh. But is, isn't Jesus in that line? You know? Oh, that's a very interesting. Oh. That's a very good guess. It really is. But that's not what happened. Obed Adom is not in the lineage of of Jesus. But let me see a hint and see if I can remind you. Obed Adom kept the Ark of the Covenant in his home for a little over a year, if I remember correctly. And it said in, in hearing Second Chronicles that he was rewarded. And I would say to you, he was rewarded in a very special family way. He um, he had a great number of of uh, I tell you what he had a great number of sons and grandsons. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you five guesses. He had he had a great number of sons and grandsons, and I'm going to give you a, a guess. Somewhere between one and a hundred, you can guess how many sons did Obed Adom have, and I'll give you five guesses, and I'll tell you lower or higher, and see if we can get you to tell us the right number, okay? So how many sons and grandsons did Obed Adom have? Give me your first. Lower. Close. Very, very close, but lower. Um... That's one. 68. Lower, that's two. Um, 60. Higher, that's three. <laughs> 65. Just, that's four, just a little lower, Rachel, a little lower. Then it's higher than yeah, 60, lower than 65. Isn't there a Beatles song, When I'm 60? That was 60. Is that, is that, no, but that's not the number. It's 64, okay. I think, is what he said. But that, oh, it's, not right. so it's not 64. not 64. So that eliminates okay. 64. Uh, and it's... Um, uh, okay, another hint. Okay, a hint. Okay. Um. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me see. How many How many children do you have? Do you have children? One. Okay, a little bit higher than one. <laughs> <laughs> but in the sixties. <laughs> Just a tiny bit higher than one. 
62. You're 62, yay! <laughs> I don't know how you remembered that. It was such a, uh, that was so wonderful that you remembered that, that fact. To, to John, he's going to take down, if you don't mind, he's going to take down your name and address. And, and uh, if you don't mind, get, make sure we have the right phone number because I'm going to put this book in the mail to you. This week, it's it's a book called A Book About Jesus. Uh, and do you have do you have grandchildren or small children in your family? Uh, nieces and nephews. Oh, wonderful! Aww, I tell you what, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna put two copies of a, a book about Jesus in the mail to you, and, and you can give these to some of your nieces and nephews and uh, enjoy them greatly. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet, Rachel. Hey, stay on the line and give that information to John so we can uh, mail the, get these in the mail to you this week. All right? Don't go away. All right. Okay. Uh, let me see. What do I do here to put? Uh, maybe you can help Rachel get on hold, John. And uh, John's going to put you on hold, Rachel, and we'll come back to Stacy. Well, we've got a few minutes left before we... End, but that was fun. Uh, that was I, I fun. hope that the, the nieces and nephews enjoy. I'm going to have to set aside one. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes children's books are the most profound. You know, it's just oh, simple, many times it's true. It, it is true. Yes, but the and language it's such a is a reminder that yeah. Jesus. I mean, he he <laughs> was. His love for the children too. Let the children come to me. Um, yes, exactly. And it's such a sweet. You know, the gospel message is inherently a very simple, a simple message. And he put a and great... That, and it's that childlike faith that yeah. we, how we have to come to him. And Jesus so warned people who would endanger or put at risk that uh, we right. cannot put children to, at risk. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus said, let them come unto me, and he meant it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got that done. And oh, is so, Rachel still on? Do, you John, John is visiting with Rachel now and okay. getting the information okay. so okay. that we can um, give her, uh, set aside these two copies okay. of the book. Sure. Uh, well, that's great. I'm glad to be able to do that. We'll have, we've got some really good books here. Uh, as well. Now, I think uh, we've got another caller here, Stacy, online. Do you have another question? Let me. Out see. There? I don't know if it's someone else. I think we would recognize. <laughs> oh, who could, it could that be? Could be a friend of ours. Um, I've heard oh. of that guy. Uh, Alden, how are you doing? I'm glad to hear your voice. We're going to have to ask. Well. Uh, we're going to have to ask Rachel to call back because in our taking your call, we got we lost Rachel. So Rachel, please okay. call back, and you'll talk with. Uh, John, and we'll get that information to get these books off in the in the mail to you. Well, Al, what are you doing? And where we managed to sneak into Kissimmee, Florida. We're going to go to Disney World tomorrow, and the next three days after that. And so uh, we had a two day trip here, and I wanted to remind you of what tomorrow is. Can you give me a guess on what tomorrow is? Do you know what today is? Yeah, it's June fifth. What's tomorrow? <laughs> Isn't today Pentecost Sunday? Could be. It is. But what's yeah. tomorrow? Today is Pentecost Sunday, which is important. Now tomorrow yeah. is June the sixth. It's not Stacy's birthday. That's it's the seventy seventy eighth anniversary of a very big event. June the sixth. Fifty nineteen fifty was that your birth? 
It no, wasn't my that birth. Was, that, was be, that was before mine. There was a, a rather large contingent of soldiers that were crossing a channel, the English Channel. Is that right? Was it D-Day? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I, I just, yeah, I just wanted to bring it to our attention of your Aww. military listeners. Your That's wonderful. Good. That uh, it, it's, a, it's a big, big, big day in military history. And it turned the tide, otherwise we'd be speaking German. Nick sprechen Sie Deutsch. Sorry, right. June the 6th, 1944. I think your math was wrong in terms of the number of years. Maybe. I don't know. Well, 24 would be 80 years, and it's two years less than that, so the 78th anniversary. Something like that. You're close. <laughs> but but <laughs> I, I, who, who, who am I to speak? I'm just a math major, you know. That's all. I know. But okay, anyway, you, you, uh, that's good to remind you. Uh, and and my daughter's bay, I was reminded by some of the basic trainees at Lackland this morning uh, that today is Pentecost Sunday, and we were, and I was teaching them a little about the role, person and role of the Holy Spirit of God in in uh, in our lives as, as God's people. And uh, actually, one of the trainees reminded me today is Pentecost Sunday, uh, and uh, so what, glad to hear so it. So, what's that Pentecost? What does that? How does that relate? What's that got to do with anything? Well. You know the answer to that. <laughs> Acts chapter two, uh, the new role of the Holy, the Spirit of God it came to in a new right. way. Now, uh, the Holy Spirit is all, and we read about the Holy Spirit all through the Hebrew Scriptures. But after Jesus, the Messiah, the prototype of the of the uh, the race of the redeemed, after Jesus set the pace and became the firstborn of the twice born on our behalf and gave his life as a sacrifice for the people of God, then. He opened the door because he established a beachhead uh, in the race of humanity uh, for it comes to faith in Christ. Uh, from the very first time, the day of their spiritual birth, they are indwelt by the Spirit of God who is, who is committed to walking alongside them, working with them, transforming their life, and, and faithfully delivering us to eternity, to heaven. And the Holy Spirit in, came to indwell every one of God's people. And that happened, that new role now of the Holy Spirit permanently indwelling his people started on Pentecost Sunday uh, in Acts chapter 2. And um, that's uh, that's what it's all about. And it's, it's such a thing can happen. It is God that is working within us both to will and to do his good pleasure. And at the work and the role of the Holy Spirit to make that happen. Thanks, Al, for calling in. Have a great time in Florida and hustle back to San Antonio. We miss you. You too. Say hi, Stacy. I will. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> you guys take care. I love you lots. See you next week, folks, here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to 1888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas. 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast.
You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 